Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! couple weeks. I thought it's been one week since I it's been one week since I looked at you. Yeah. Since Actually I said it's been I'm about sorry. two hours because we had lunch today. Yeah. But anyway, welcome back to the Marketing Money Podcast where we talk about marketing your money and marketing your bank and your lifestyle and all the cool stuff you do. Yeah. Yep. It's been a while. Feel like it's been a while. It has been. I think people were tired of us anyway, though. No, they were just like, no, I, I they're like, did that podcast end? Thank goodness. No, I can tell by the listenership numbers that they're clamoring. They're going back and through our library, the annals of history, the, the bowels, the, li- of, the of library the of smarts. Yeah, just learning. You, we should you should get CFMP or whatever it is points for listening to the Marketing Money podcast. The MMP. What's better than that? I you mean, should get you something just, better than that. You listen to it, you get points. You get a high five. We do like some stamp booklets like they used to do. Green stamp. Treasure hunt. Get a little stamp if you listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, everybody, bring your um, your podcast passport by the booth that we won't have. The virtual booth. We'll do a virtual booth. Virtual wherever John or I are. And there's a virtual t- booth. There's a virtual booth right there. Wherever we go, have booth. We'll travel. And um, if you can tell which one is John and which one is Josh, if you've never met us before, you get a double stamp, bonus stamp. Both guys in their mid forties, white, around six feet tall. <laughs> if you average. <laughs> uh, no. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so it is time. So if you're, when will this come out? I'm gonna, start, Friday? I'm gonna just start associating myself with people. Like you know, he and I together, we're we're an athletic build. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm around him. Yeah, we're we average out two twenty five. Yeah, I said around six feet tall. <laughs> around can be shorter or taller. And on, in this case, yes, yes. Hope Friday. So if you hear this on Friday. But you could be, you could hear this on a Friday, regardless. But this Friday, it will be the last day to register for the trip to Denver, which we're trying to buy tickets. Which for. we were literally just talking about before we got on this Lots call. Lots of big plans to go for, for to everything the we're bringing out. ABA Bank Marketing Conference in Denver, Colorado, September 11 through 14. The I, Mile High Conference. Yes, get your learn on it. They're using the superhero theme that they kind of didn't get to use because of COVID Just last year. Look, hey. Be a marketing superhero. Set your brand apart, whatever, all types of yeah. buzzword stuff. But anyway. So as we get close to it, we may, we may give a critical review or not so critical review of the speakers and the events that are happening. But I do encourage you to go. We, we are at this point expected to both be there. I'm sort of excited because at this point, I'm not speaking or paneling or chairing or boarding, which will be the first time since 2013 that I have been a passive attendee of the ABA conference, which is so much fun to sit in back row and just heckle. Uh, just heckle. 
be like those those two old men in the Muppets. Yeah, Quagmire and Johnson. Is that their names? No. no. <laughs> I, I was like, that's not their names. But we can sit in the back and just, rah, 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 rah. look at him. He's a frog. No, no. He's that talking about a bad, I don't think that was a bad impersonation. It wasn't. That was really good. <laughs> and our hairlines are both coming real close to what Statler those kids. Statler and Waldorf. Statler and Waldorf. I'm definitely Waldorf. I'll be Statler Brothers, Flowers on the Wall. Waldorf Astoria. <laughs> so anyway, that'd be uh, but that'll be fun. So you'll see Statler and, and Wardolf from the back of the room. Wardolf. Wardolf. <laughs> Just heckling. We're not going punching be, holes and everything. We won't be heckling. If I go into allowed. your tan room breakout session, get nervous. Because I, I am there to judge. I, I am just judging everything you say from the way you've dressed to what you've prepared on your PowerPoint. <laughs> it's going to be ruthless if I'm there. So if you see me and you're, but see, they don't know the difference between you and me. <laughs> Good. So, and everybody thinks you're me and I'm you. So and so you're going to walk in there and they're like, oh, he's going to be real mean. I'll be, oh, that's the nice one because he said he was going to not be nice. Yeah, you won't know unless you know. I'm not judging anybody's externally. Internally, I will judge all of you. A lot of, lot because I've been judged my entire life at these things. Oh, good. Sometimes harshly because I would get the reviews. I've been judged because of you before. Oh, absolutely. In fact, it was the last time we went to Denver. Oh yeah. I'm you want to review that moment? You want to do? We, do I need to let the audience know? We had this promised sort of thing that would happen in the breakout that required John. No, that was not it. Yeah. Was it? Yes, it was. Okay. Where we were kind of presenting together. And it got to your part after we did a break. It was like a long session, like a two-hour session. It was two hours. More than two hours. I think it was like three total, and like there was a 30-minute break in the middle. But anyway, everybody comes back in when we, hey, go use restrooms, get some refreshments, get some beverages. And um, it was it was strange. <laughs> What's funny about it is the activity we were going to do would have been better with a little bit of alcohol. And so we had asked for them to like bring a little beer cart there and and that was turned down and anyway so we're there we reconvene after the the break where john and i had presented together and it was john's part then i was going to finish it up with a part but john's part set up my part and this is where they had to get in groups and make an ad or no whatever, no right? this was this we that? did we basically did an srt okay uh what what srt sorry for all those at home it's what mabus agency does strategic roundtable as you know being the best in make marketing as the agency we are who's that agency huh oh, never mind us anyway this is how we do our onboarding we're going to do a live one with a bank so john just didn't show back up i called him texted him went up to the like hey let me go check something may have happened i don't know didn't hear anything from John. And um, so we sat there for about 20 minutes and it's, you know, that real awkward, like it was long enough to be. Oh, people were mad. Were like awkward about it. And I did my best to do the rest of the thing. <laughs> and I got, I got really hazed in the grades. It would be like skipping the third quarter of the Super Bowl and you just show back up at the fourth quarter. What happened in that yeah. other so on my end, what what does what happened that no one knew about is my wife and I had struggled if I was going to go to the conference because she was like eight months pregnant at the time. She was very due mm -hmm. uh, with our third child, and our, our OBGYN whatever said, 
It's not going to happen in the next week. You can go to the conference. Rest assured, it's going to be fine. She's not going to have the baby while you're gone. Go ahead and go. Enjoy Denver. Speak. You know, see your buddies, network, come on back. And so I was like, great. So while Josh is speaking, I'm sitting on the side watching him, waiting for my turn to then do my little strategic part. And then he follows it up and we kind of speak together. And right before we go into break, I have like 25 text messages, missed phone calls, all this stuff. And my wife had slipped on a wet step at our house and like bounced down the deck and like hurt herself. And an an ambulance had come to get her at the house, as I recall. Uh, And she was like, you know, what's, is the kid, is the baby okay? Yada, yada. Calls me like emergency 911, like all this stuff. Real fuzzy and hazy on that day in my mind because I, I, Remember, I got, I called her, and she's like crying and screaming, and and she's trying to get her, you know, her, her parents who live in the same town to come and help her and whatever. And I'm in Denver, and she's three hours away by flight and an hour drive from the airport away from me. So I just think, what do I do now? And I said, I'm not going to waste time telling anybody, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran up to the room. Packed all my stuff that I needed as fast as I could, like just threw it in a bag, no folding, no like, I probably, I don't know if I left half the room. I just like packed it, walked downstairs, got the first cab available while in the cab. And that's the reason I couldn't call or text. I was on the phone with the airline. Strange New York. Trying to find the fastest flight back. Fortunately, I found a flight that was direct that was like within an hour of this event happening. And so I'm like on the phone trying to get my credit card, switch the flights, you know, whatever, thinking, what am I coming going home to? Is this going to be like the worst tragedy ever, which it would have been, you know? So I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, anyway, get it figured out. And about that time I get to the airport, I have about 20 minutes till my flight goes. So I get to the counter or the, the, the gate and I sit down and that's when I text or called you. And you're like, dude, what happened? I was like, wife fell down. Think something could happen with the baby. She might be hurt or back, whatever. And, and had to go to the hospital. I was like, I took the first flight home, like just dropped everything. Like, that's what you do. But I did kind of screw over everybody else from the conference and, to you to whatever. Well, and, and let's be clear. Everybody was fine. Yeah, everybody's fine. She was fine. She was fine. So th- there's no like wah, wah, yeah. unhappy ending or something. But like yeah. the point is, is it, it and it's like real hazy, like foggy in my yeah. brain. It's like the fog well, of war. You just do time, something, you just do it. You know? Which we should have just canceled it. You yeah. Know, but – well, I didn't tell you. You yeah. didn't know what was going on. Yeah. For all you know, I could have just—I don't know—I did disappear. But, it was, but like we saw like the the reviews. Oh, and it was like really disorganized. Didn't know what they were going to do. Guy just didn't come back halfway through. One of the speakers just didn't come back. Like, obviously, they didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know the full. But it was like, and here's the thing: I don't know that I wouldn't have been even rougher than the reviews. Just know my personality. The it way got, I, I think, if you're going to take the time to get my attention. To yeah. watch you speak, I expect you to prep and make it good. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's my time. And I, because of that mistake and the, the happening or whatever that happened uh, with my wife in her fall and me trying to get back worried about the baby. Uh, and know, wife. And wife. Uh, she, was, she could talk. I mean, yeah. she was. She was fine. Yeah. I mean, she, well, she was very disheveled. But, I mean, yeah. Like, I was talking to her. She was with the doctors or whatever. But point being... I hate it for you because since then, I feel like, and if ABA, if you're listening, love you, but I feel like y'all have given my boy Josh over here like a bad a bad rap off of that. 
like, like experience that wasn't his fault. And so, like, if you wanted to speak again, they would be like, well, he had a really bad review in 2013 in Denver, 2012 in Denver. And I'm like, not his fault, really. Yeah. I mean, you didn't get the... You didn't get the connection. You didn't get the setup. You didn't get to come back and then give the aha moment of the end with the SRT and what it comes yeah. to. Like everybody's just like, well, I guess that guy left. And you're like, I guess I'll try to finish something that makes no sense to anybody. Yeah. You watched half a movie, left for you know a quarter of it, and then came back to get the end, and you don't know. And the main part happened. All this to say is, um, uh, we've been judged. Yeah, been judged. Fairly or unfairly, it's fair to judge yeah. it that way because I would you didn't have. know. You, you didn't, didn't know. know. Yeah. So, but speaking of judging, our topics today, hmm. and I'm going to make it an interesting one. Good. Because we've talked about this, and it's not much of strategy other than it is if your bank has ever thought about this. But the new recession post COVID era thing in retail is to provide a tipping option for when you didn't have to tip before. Yeah, a lot of restaurants are now. Asking, asking you to tip. That is the, the loudest train people has ever had right now. Probably can't even hear it. Oh, it's not real loud. So anyway. Yeah, like so. A friend of mine in San Diego went to a Minchie's frozen yogurt. Froyo. Um, which mo- like a lot of Froyo places, you serve yourself. You, you do everything yourself. You go get your cup. You pick your flavors. You put the toppings on it. They weigh. You weigh it. You set it up there. Yeah. They weigh it. They look at it and they type you up for twenty five dollars. And they, they for flip a, the thing around cream. and it had like a tip on it. And he's like, "For what? Flipping the iPad around?" Yeah. And you know, listeners, obviously, I don't know your opinions. Know that food service pay all this stuff, but like, is is kind of a messed up thing. But like, tipping for nothing though. Well, and I, th- I think it's a bottom line type thing because I told you I was in a, a, a restaurant that's a, a regional food chain in the South and we were eating there and there happened to be a group of investors. I could just tell. I mean, they were talking, whatever. And, uh, and it sounded we, real investory. It did. It sounded real investory. They were talking about buy, sell and stuff. No, I don't know. But anyway, they were in a group and there was obviously somebody from management of the franchise that was walking them through the store and showing them this. And I'm just eating, and but being the judgmental over listener, nosy schmozy guy I am, I started listening in and he was saying, since we've added the tip option at the counter, we've been able to somewhat decrease our hourly pay and offset it with the tips to the frontline worker. And they are actually making more while we're having to pay less from the direct payment we used to. And there was tax implications. They were explaining all this. And I was sitting there going, wow, that, that really hits the consumer because the food price didn't change. But now you're having to tip one or two dollars where you didn't at this certain restaurant, like a McDonald's, you typically you don't tip. You know, you go up, you order and they actually do stuff in the back. Chick-fil-A, you don't tip. I mean, you may now, I haven't been in a while, but my point is is like you typically at a fast food restaurant, quick service restaurant, you're not tipping. And they've added that to where they could change the mix of how the employee was paid. And the employee actually gets a little bit more, maybe a dollar more an hour, but they're decreasing their actual per hour pay, or that this group was. I'm not speaking mm-hmm. for everybody. I don't, you, you must say, who's wrong? My restaurant. I don't know on that, but I, I heard it when I was there. And my point of that is now. Well, I, don't think, well, let me, I think they were reducing overall salaries, but no one who was employed got a pay decrease. That's I think correct. I think the theory would be like they were getting paid nine they were they're having to hire people at $9 now an hour. Now they're doing 8, but they're getting tips but at 12. Because so they're offering yeah. them tips now. So, yeah. So it was something like something of that nature and um, 
Yeah, we've talked about ideas, not at our bank, but this has been an idea of like, you sit around and say stuff like, should tellers be getting tips if this is the case? I mean, if they're cashing a check for you, if they're getting you into your safe deposit box, should they have a little iPad and flip it around and be like, I need $2 for my service today? Don't know. I mean... Uh, see, to me, like, so so tipping's one of those things that gives me anxiety. And I'm a little... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast. Basically, in my life, I live this really weird life accidentally where I'm basically Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Not even like You're real, David Larry. I'm, but, but I'm the fictionalized, like... Anything that can go wrong in these situations, and I'm, I don't act like both of these guys, but I'm in the situations that George Costanza and Larry David find themselves on. And if you don't know, George Costanza, George Costanza was modeled after Larry David, which is really funny. For the first season, um, you know, Larry David was a writer on Seinfeld. Oh, he was the writer on Seinfeld. Yeah, Jerry and, and producer. Um, um, what's his name? Jason Alexander that played. Didn't know how to play the part. Yeah, right? he was just like, I just played him, and then... I just played a dude. And then he was like, he was so close to Larry and having rehearsed the show and being cast, he didn't realize... That that's who he was supposed to be and he like, And it was like, one day, halfway through the first season, they were filming, and he's like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm Larry David. I'm you, yeah. And then Larry makes Kirby Enthusiasm, does his uh, own show, which is more quasi-reality. But... But with the comedy of the fiction, but anyway. Yeah, he, he really, he's, he, that Larry so David, point, he really thinks I, out of the bag. Let, let's make this show about a stand-up comedian who, and then now let's make a show about a writer who was famous about a stand-up. It, but to your point, I get, there is anxiety with him because you feel like, am I doing the right thing? Well, just think about the weird things like you go do that maybe you don't do often. Like, like go get a massage or a haircut or like... Get your car walk like the things you do that like that well, do don't. You, do you tip when you get a haircut? Yes. Yeah. So do I. But some people don't. Yeah. But, like they just don't know. Either they don't know yeah. or they don't. Or they don't go to a place that yeah. makes it feel. Uh, yeah, but like what? What? what but some people talk about tipping a hotel room. Like they leave, they leave a little cash. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of an old school thing to do. Um, On it, cruises, like it's part of the like like. I don't know that I've ever tipped at a hotel. Uh, I might have like once or if I well, if, now, if they did something for me like yeah. and I and I recognized like it was service over and beyond or like I needed something and they did it. I mean now you tip the door. That's the other thing is with this cashless society we've kind of moved to traveling especially. I may not have cash money. You show up and the door guy's helping you and you, that's why I love Lyft and Uber because it's in the it's in the system. Yeah, and you don't have to get cash. Yeah, like I was um I was getting out of a hotel and it, it was the valet and I was like it was valet it was a place. Let me make sure that I'm saying this clearly so everybody understands. Like it was a place, it was a town, a city, and a hotel property that typically wouldn't have a valet. Yeah. Like it was a mid-tier hotel. I didn't have any cash. No place around to get a cat to get cash. It was in a newly developed area. No, not really any ATMs. And I'm just like, hey, I, I don't, I don't have any cash. And the guy was like rude. Like, oh well. I I get it. It's 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 a weird day, and that's your anxiety. Yeah, because now I'm just you're like, like you're in a weird but, position. But like, if a tip's required, it's not a tip anymore. It's just a fee. Well, and, and then you move from you from him only taking cash and you not having cash to when I recently traveled to New York and DC. Both places I saw two separate instances where a homeless person had a QR code on a poster board. Uh, like not the, you know, homeless vet, need money or, or need money, God bless. You see that a lot. But this was like literally like, 
help me with a QR code donate, you know, help here with an arrow. They had QR codes right. connected to a Venmo account. So, so, and that freaked me out because I was like, you have the smarts or somebody set up this thing with the smarts to do this for you, but yet you can't get yourself off the street. I know mental illness, et cetera, is why this happens, but it was really just odd that someone had the wherewithal to be able to do that, and yet they're still stuck on a street corner. That'd be a, but, but that'd be a nice little, especially like in New York City, a macro-like thing is like, hey, we set you up a GoFundMe, and like the, like, a, a, like a nonprofit shows up and does that. that. Does yeah, I think it's a group that does it. So here's the full circle on my situation, which, yes, valets deserve a tip. I've tipped every valet in my life. The guy's like, like kind of like won't let me get in my car, like barring the way. <laughs> Come on, man. And I was like, would you have Cash App or something? He's like, yeah, I have Cash App. And I forgot. His his name was like Penguin972. And I'm like, okay. Here's another one. I have never seen. I'm not, uh-uh. Okay, go ahead. Wait, you got a long pause. You're pausing. I, I, I gave you a long pause. So anyway, I just don't have to go back to this story. And your cadence made it seem like you okay, finished well, your, your story. So, so here's the deal. Penguin972. I, I'm like, okay, here, five bucks, like, here, which is too much. What I found out is they have to accept it on the other side on Cash App. And so I just canceled it when I left. Oh. Because <laughs> the guy was. So, yeah, there you go. So that's that story. Have you ever seen a female bellhop? Just uh, I never have. And I travel. I, I think I did sixty-five hotel nights in a normal year, usually. And I know my friend, like Dave DeFazio and stuff, does like two hundred. But my point is, is, like, I have never seen a female bellhop. Just as an observation. Oh well, no, I don't think so. I, I, it's just I, I don't know. Man. It's just it's one area when you talk about. I've seen female valets. Have you? Yeah. I don't think I have. I mean, and it's not that I'm like not, not many. typically noticing. I've just never not like, many. But anyway, um, so my, the point of this is thinking about. Ways of payment to enhance your bank or enhance, and so, and it could help with marketing. I, I've heard people that have thought about how to improve the process of uh, payments, and, and here's what I've thought about: is you go to Lowe's, someone helps you in the aisle or helps you get your stuff to your car. Do you tip there? Probably not. Yeah, like Walmart or a retail is going to have. What if they had a QR code on their shirt and you took a picture of it and then tipped them that way, like as you were leaving? Yeah, I'm just thinking of different ways of. That's kind of like the tip, but they're actually doing something for the tip. They're not just flipping around an iPad, because I do know it. One of my famous favorite places to go to a sporting event, um, they have a little, I don't know, carousel when you walk out or whatever, you know, set up and you go by and you pay, get your hot dog and your beer or drinks, whatever. And it's not even a store. It's like a convenient type area where you yeah. get your own stuff, like at an airport or whatever, like you know, and yeah. you turn it around and it says tip. And I'm always like, why? Yeah. What? I just got my own food. I put it in my own little thing. You're just standing. You you have two purposes. You stand there to help if someone can't do the card reader, and you ID people if they're buying alcohol. And that's all you're doing. Yeah. And the IDing me, which I'm obviously over 21, is actually a hindrance. So now I'm tipping you for slowing me down. Yeah. It's... I, I prefer the European model. I have a friend. Come for put it into the pricing. Yeah, just put in the pricing and pay people. Um, but going back to banks, because that's what our audience is, hopefully, or our friends and parents, 
should tellers consider that? Should they have a little thing that said with like a QR code sitting up in front of them? It's like if I gave you good service or give it to a nonprofit of the teller's choice. I mean, most people want money because tellers are not highly paid. Yeah. Typically, it's service industry frontline folks. You know, is that a, is that a revenue source for them that may have not hit its way up to the banks yet? That's starting in fast food retail, quick quick sale outlets. I mean, you go buy clothing. Some of these, some retailers turn around. It says tip for helping them. If, if you would have asked me that, you'd have laughed in my face six, five years ago. Five days ago, I probably would have, because uh, this conversation came up from us both noticing, like, well, we ate a restaurant today. Yeah. Because sometimes we eat lunch to plan our podcast, talk about other stuff, and today we were lunch and we ate a restaurant where the the person behind the counter did nothing, but take our order and. Turn around and, and basically turn around a point of sale system, and it said tip. It's like, and I was like, I, but I ate there a year ago and didn't get yeah. the option to tip. So I don't know what they did differently between that year and this year, other than come up with the technology and the idea to do it. Yeah, I think that I think the difference is you that. get your own drink at this place. You get your own drink. You grab your own chips. You All grab your, your own, own dessert. You get your own refills. You get your own napkins. Uh, and then they call your name to walk up and to get the, the food. So yeah. really, the I don't know if the tip is probably spread amongst yeah. the folks working, but other than them just fixing your sandwich or food, they're not really serving you in the ideal of a restaurant tip setting. No. I mean, you go to a nice restaurant and the person helps you with your order, they bring out a wine, except Yeah, that's yeah. a 20% tip, period. Yeah. So, I, but... I've been thinking about that as, as you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see the first bank that rolls out a tipping platform to offset inflation increases to your tellers. I, I don't know that we'll see it. Because we give away coffee, <laughs> tons popcorn. of coffee and popcorn. Um, you know, we give to charities, which is different from giving away a physical product or whatever. But my point is, is I'm wondering if there's going to be a bank at some point that says our tellers work hard, which they do. Let's just, but they're going to say that. And they're going to say, wow, wouldn't it be a great option if we allowed their customer to tip them? And here's why I don't like it. I think banks, sometimes rightly so, yeah. and sometimes not, are dinged pretty hard for fees. Yeah. And I think it would be looked at as you're adding a fee to do a transaction with my money. It's one thing if I'm buying a product and you're giving it to yeah. me or providing me a service. Yeah, you end up at a net loss just for... The consumer does. Yeah, the consumer does just for being there. Yeah, well, I, had, I was depositing hundred dollars. Now I deposited ninety nine. But what a way to incentivize your customers to use their app. Yeah, I mean this it's a it's a transition of a fee. Here's the thing: I think the consumer might, and and I'm just I'm saying I think this without any surveying, but I think if the consumer was told they have to pay a five dollar check cashing fee if they don't use mobile check deposit, but if they were told they had to tip the teller. For depositing their check, Probably and they knew the teller was th was getting that money versus the big bad bank, they might be more apt to either use the teller, think you know, knowing yeah. that without complaining or getting negative customer sentiment, or would they go ahead and start using the mobile check deposit they wouldn't use anyway? Yeah, but what's strange is I really haven't seen a bank. B banks don't want to discourage anybody from doing anything. It feels like is you know we're a community bank. We need to do what. However, the customer wants to do it, including but not limited to keep like eight hundred checking accounts, legacy checking account types, or have have customers that are due to certain variables completely unprofitable from a 
business standpoint. And not charge. We we're can't not talking charge community bank. We're not talking services. We're not talking good stuff. We're just talking from a bottom line cutthroat yeah. Wall Street view, which we don't take. But yeah. if you do, you have a large segment that are completely unprofitable. If yeah. you analyze it and giving them free checking, You're, well, th- those are they're having free checking. They don't hold much of a savings account. They yeah. they're renters, so they don't have a mortgage but, with but, you. But banks are very find it distasteful to like try to encourage. You know, um, I, I would say the the strongest stance banks took to doing something that was of questionable value to the customer, but help the bank would. I said questionable. I didn't say I questioned well, This it. is all theoretical. But so uh, but was e-statements, the, the move to e-statements, yeah. which was... It kind of helps everybody. It, it helps everybody. And like I said, when I say questionable value, it's like, it's the same. Like, I get it online, I get it I get yeah, it. There's paper. a big difference in that paper and that stamp oh, and the processing oh, of it. Oh, absolutely. But that's what I said. Benefited... It, it, it probably benefited the bank more than... That move benefited the bank more than the customer at the, at the end of the day, where banks were bullish about... This is antiquated. We don't. It's there's no reason to do it. An email of a of a PDF is exactly as good as a printout, and you can print it if you need it. Yeah. In fact, I think it's actually safer because I could go to your mailbox and just take and it. Just take it. Yeah. So so again, just where the value really plays out. But it's one of those things banks absolutely had to switch from, not for bottom line, but just because of the the silliness and the antiquated um, value of it. So I think maybe looking at that type of uh, shift, like, hey, the way we're doing it is antiquated. And it, and look, the bank should, should be behaving the way they are because they're confused. I open my inbox every week, and from the same source many times, see an article that says, the branch is dead, digital, blah, 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 and then the next... Well, the branch has been dead for 30 years, according to everybody. And yeah. yet, banks are still building them. They're just different size. They've got ITMs now, which I... I and I told you this, our bank is big on ITMs. We use them. Customers love them, so they're they're right. But me as an individual consumer, as John the consumer, not the Renaissance yeah, Why would guy, I go to another location and do what I, I do on my phone? That That's the way I look at it individually, but that's the way I want to bank. So right. your point, when the bank says, well, there's a, there's a market for ITMs, so we're going to use ITMs, yeah. I get it. What I don't get is why people won't adopt the ability to not use them. Yeah. Well, and that's what you see, ITM adoption instead of ways to inter, in, um, incentivize tellers. Other than it, it's the red box theory. They're all over every CVS and Walgreens yeah. in the country, and I've I've never used one, and don't know why you would. Yeah, but, but there's I mean, a line you pull up on a Friday night. There's five people waiting in line to use the red box. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, the teller thing isn't just the bank's unwillingness to necessarily incentivize them; it's just not being able to find the workers. Yeah. But anyway, same week, I'll get an email that says the branch is dead, which, as you said, has been yelled at. But then the, the same news source a day later is why banks are thriving across the country or branches are thriving across the country. And, and look, it's confusing because guess what? Some people want to use a branch. Some people want to have a digital experience. Both want, um, I think both kinds of bank clients want the other thing available that they don't primarily use. So... The, the 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 you know story that we've been told that there are people out there that want just a digital bank. They may be willing to, and 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 they may use it more, but they would still like to have the option of physical. And I think vice versa. If you're just I just love going to the bank and seeing my teller and saying hey to her. You want the option to be able to do a mobile deposit yeah. if you want to. Yeah. And so both things are somewhat true. 
And the reason either one of them or both are dying at any given time, quite frankly, is we're looking at the macro of like, we're going to get rid of all branches or we're going to go all digital or we're going to do this instead of looking at how to make each of those experiences somewhat better for the customer or the client or the whatever you may want to call them. Agree. And I'm just, I've been thinking through it because I've been noticing this, this, what I would call tipping creep. (laughs) And I don't mean creep as in like a creepy person, but the creep of more retail establishments adopting this tipping strategy uh, that's very American. Again, to your point, if you travel to Europe and other countries, you don't see a lot of that. Uh, and it's it's very odd, and it's awkward, and it's like, is it deserved or not? Now, now there's going to be a side of the argument that's going to say, well, it's a little bit above minimum wage, and this helps these people to pay their... Yes, it does. I get that. But it's also taking the consumer's dollars that maybe not be able to afford that meal if they didn't. And now all of a sudden it's, you have to account for an extra expense when you order. Yeah. And so it impacts that person too. So well, what it's we like, never really talk about is when somebody doesn't deserve a tip. Like you see this getting lambasted all over BuzzFeed or whatever when the person elects not to tip. And again, because of what you said about the um, the structure um, of, of salaries and all that, it is absolutely expected, but but what it's it's still optional, maybe not socially so, but but what happens when somebody does crap the bed on the service where where a tip is being asked for and you don't give one? And let me be clear, I'm never. Some of you may who know know me or think you know me may think, oh, Josh would definitely be a penny tip guy. Sometimes I think maybe one or two times. I would rather talk to the manager. Like, if it's a mistake, if it's a problem, something that happened that I dis- you know, obviously disagree with, I'd rather talk to the manager so it's fixed next time I go in than just lambast somebody. So if you, if you thought that, you're just kind of off on my behavior. I'll, hey, this, was, this food tasted awful. So here's an interesting one that's messed with my head, talking about deserve, not deserving it. It's maybe a complete deserve thing. But I, I, sa- I saw this, and look, it might have been – this literally would have been a genius move by the hotel industry. And I don't know if it was a BuzzFeed article or some type of like how-to article or something, but it was what you do when you stay in a hotel. And it talked about people staying in hotels that when they, they leave, they pull off the sheets, they take all the, the used linens, they put them in the bathtub, they take the trash, they put it together, and they like... Like prepare the room like a like an Airbnb. Pretty much, yeah, but like... It was like the way it was written, number one, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. My first thought was, I thought that's half the reason I stay in a hotel is so I don't Don't have have to to, do all that stuff. But that's just selfish John uh, reading the articles. I was like, yeah, you stay in a hotel so you're away from home. Like That's the vacation experience of not having to deal with responsibilities of your own stuff. But... I read that, and then it talked. So it talked about putting the lens area, cleaning up, yada yada, and then and then leaving a tip. And I thought, wow. The first thing I thought was it may be the right thing to do. I'm no expert on hotel and travel etiquette here, but my point was is if a hotel placed that article and somehow did that in behind the scenes, what a genius move because it was teaching travelers. It's like in a Condé Nast or something. It was teaching travelers to delinen the room declutter it, clean up the trash, and give some money to their staff, all doing the exact same actions you were going to do by traveling to a hotel before you read the article, but now you're going to like work for the hotel? 
I was like, what a movie. And look, it may be what you should do. I'm not Mr. Etiquette on that. But my point to you is I kind of shrugged my shoulders and like, I thought that was half the reason you go on vacation. So you can kind of vacation. So that real Southern vacation. So you can get away from the, uh, I don't know, having to do your laundry or having to do that stuff. Yeah, but I've, anyway. I've certainly never felt compelled to. Now. I, I think about it now. That's the problem. I go. To, well, I'm a weird. Now, now here, here is a thing. And when I, I say I think I'll do some of it. I'm not super yeah, messy. Like I put I'm my, not super messy. Yeah, but my point part, is like. Part of it is due to my normal OCD. Yeah. Kind of behavior. Like I'll put all of my like towels in the corner Same. in the bathroom. And, and, I've got, and I was a Boy Scout, so part of me is like, you know, leave it better than you found it. So you yeah. walk in, and like, I try to get the trash. and when, like yeah. I do a lot of that naturally, but when I read it yeah. now, it made me think more like, oh, like, you really are supposed to do this? And then I'm thinking, did a hotel just PR me into well, really thinking this? Well, well, don't think that hotels didn't, because, you know, they're the kings and queens of the save the rainforest and our waterways by hanging up your towel between showers. Would, well, the big the, every hotel has that signage, and it's it's yes, that is a ancillary benefit. But the reason they did it was for laundry. Well, you've you've heard the I think you've heard this story, and our governor actually used to tell it about the time that the CEO of either Marriott or Hilton was on. I don't know, Johnny Carson or some show or something, and they were asking him about travel and what's going on with hotels, and it was some big thing, and he paused for me, and he said, what's the best advice you can give to people that want to stay in your hotels? And everyone's thinking something about bellhops or what time you get the, the right room or how you get an upgrade or something, and he paused for a minute, and he said, the best advice I can give is to please put the shower curtain inside the shower. That's, and that's what on like national television, everybody's like, oh. And so in other words, kind of like the PR thing, he was trying to benefit his industry because it it's less to clean up, it's less mildew, the water doesn't get out into the bathroom. Well, my balls. question is, who doesn't know that? Obviously a lot of travelers because it was on the CEO's mind as the number one advice he would give to they travelers. They would leave the, the, the shower curtain outside. Just pull it outside. shut and not even worry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's my pet peeve on the other side. How many hotels have you been at that you get out of the shower and there's a gallon of water in the floor when you did close the shower a door? A lot of them, especially the ones that don't have a pool, but they're like the doors that you pull the and slide swing. doors. Yeah, and you get out and there's just a little pool right there. And like, wait till someone slip and falls, and that's, then that hotel's done with. But well, apparently, I guess they don't. So it's just weird because I'm just like, because then you like, because again, I, I admitted earlier, get a little bit of OCD where it's like. Well, if you put your socks on and like your dress, your pants, at whatever, you can't walk back in the bathroom. Do you get your shoes on because it's a friggin' swamp in there? But um, pretty, pretty bad, pretty bad um, at, at hotels. Ironically, that that was the thing that came up, and I have the opposite problem. I it, it's a, just it, I know that's weird to bring it on a podcast, but look, a lot of people listen to this travel and they have their opinions and thoughts. But I thought the tipping thing was worth at least a 20 to 30 minute discussion today because some bank's going to do it. And it's going to be an interesting discussion when they decide to QR code the shirt or a stand beside the teller or an iPad that flips around and says, you know, did you like my service? How about a $2 tip? Banks would be interested. It'd be interesting with banks because they wouldn't be able to go on a percentage because there's no point of sale per se. So it would be like a, a dollar tip, like a direct, you know, $1 for my service day, $2 for my service or $5. So there would have to be some price point, a direct price point of tipping versus a percentage, yeah. which would be super interesting to see that study. So uh, Cornerstone or Strategy Core, somebody out there, come up with a, <laughs> come back and look at it and say why tipping is bad or good for 
banks. I'm not advocating it either way. I'm just saying I see it in a lot of other industries, and the tipping creep is on right now in corporate America retail. So, That being said, maybe we've given you something to think about today or traveling thoughts and not thoughts. And uh, maybe next time we can talk about cost of baggage when you fly. I'm hmm. sure people would love to talk about that. But anyway. It's a tip. It, 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 is a, it is a tip to the airline. So anyway, for this week's Marketing Money podcast, uh, we, we're through with the book, so we don't have to drill you with the hateful and grateful eights anymore, so we can get back to more uh, pop, real-world application and things that we're doing constantly versus a book that stops in time because it's finite when you finish a book versus the grind of keeping going with marketing. So anyway, for the Marketing Money Podcast, this is John Oxford. Josh Mabus. And we'll see you. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mabus Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.